Well, hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to the art of paying attention, where we follow the principle of the poet Mary Oliver, who said, To pay attention is our proper and endless work. It is proper and it is endless. And today we're paying attention to my friend, musician Jimmy Black. James Black. I like to call him James Black the Third. That's not really his name, but I call him that anyway. Uh, he is a friend. He's a musician. He has a new album out, and it's a fantastic album uh, that we will talk about during our interview. Uh, but this sh- show is a deep dive into music and where music comes from and creativity comes from and how to make good art. Uh, we go all over the place, uh, talk about marketing and the fear around marketing and not feeling like you're being spammy and obnoxious, but how can you do marketing and how can you share your work and your creativity and your art in the world without annoying people? And Jimmy has some great uh, insights into that. And we talk about his story and how he got to this place and just the ways in which uh, making things and making art can be a challenge. And sometimes you don't have the support of those around you, but sometimes you have to learn how to get over those things and, uh, and do what we feel we're called to do. And so I really look forward to sharing this with you. And uh, just a couple things before we get to the interview, I just want to remind you that we have moved everything over to Substack. So ryanjpelton.substack.com. The podcast is there. Uh, My newsletter slash blog, uh, our community is there. And I wanted to move everything over onto one platform. And I've been really enjoying it so far and have had some good feedback from it so far. Uh, so you can find everything I'm doing there. I'm trying to simplify the stuff I'm making and sharing things. Uh, and I really have enjoyed, yeah, putting everything in one place. So the podcast, the blog, the newsletter. So go check all the stuff out. RyanJPelton.substack.com. That domain may, may change at some point, but um, for now that works. And you can get the newsletter every Friday. I send out seven things I'm paying attention to. So uh, different books and podcasts and movies and shows and stuff I'm thinking about, uh, you can get all the updates there uh, on the Substack. So uh, one other thing, uh, if you have been around, uh, one thing that does help get the show out into the world, the podcast out in the world is reviews. Uh, so wherever you listen to this podcast, if you do have time to give us an honest review, it'll help, especially as we're kind of relaunching the art of paying attention uh, with some new interviews and, and new format. And that would really help a lot. So I appreciate it in advance. Well, I will stop rambling. I will stop talking. And I will get to my interview with Jimmy Black. There we All go. right, Jimmy. Well, here we are. Jimmy, James, Black. Yes. The Jimmy third? Are you the third? No, you're not the third. Uh, <laughs> I'm, oh, the hey. first. I'm the first of one right now because my son's not Jimmy. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, this is a, a question I am going to start asking people because we renamed the podcast and it's called The Art of Paying Attention. So, oh. so the question is, and I have not asked you ahead of time to even think uh-huh. about this. So this could be yeah. horrible. This could be like the worst answer ever. Well, I'm paying um, attention. I'm ready. Yeah. What are you paying attention to these days? That's the question. Could be oh, anything. what am I paying attention yeah, to? Yeah, like what's days? what's what's catching your attention? Could be anything. Okay. Well, let's see. What am I paying attention to? Right now, what I'm paying attention to is um, the fact that it is, if you want to share what God's given you, you might look like an egomaniac or self-centered because you're posting things all over the place. Um, so I didn't, I didn't ever share my music because I was like, Oh, it's not about people knowing who I am or anything like that. But then when I was in college, I felt really, it was one summer. I was just playing around on the piano and I thought, huh, that'd be cool to find that people would like listening to that. And it kind of hit me clear as day. It was definitely God reminding me, I didn't give you a gift for yourself, just for you. It's to share with other people. Um, if, if God gave you a gift in anything, anything good that God's given you, it's not about, you're not the end, you know, you're not a, we're not to be stagnant lakes, we're supposed to be freely flowing rivers. 
So I want to be a freely flowing music river. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's good. I, cause yeah. I, I think we've, we've talked about this before and, and I think, uh, it's like that weird tension of how do I share something, this gift I have with people, but also not be, you know, Mr. Salesman or Mr. Annoying yeah. person. That's always like, look at me, look at me. It's like, where's this balance of, Hey, I have this thing and, uh, God's given me this gift or, um, I have these abilities. How do I share it with other people with that brings them joy? Cause we want them to experience it, encounter it. Um, we had so much fun making it or, uh, we want someone to listen to it. Right. Um, yeah. obviously you've, uh, recently, uh, written a new album and, and I think some of that journey is you just getting comfortable in your own skin and kind of saying, Hey, how, how can I make this thing and then share it with, with people and not be afraid of that. Um, yeah. so this is kind of like a big, uh, big deal for you, right? It's been, been a many years just kind of getting like, I got this thing and I want to share it with people. So, right. um, mm-hmm. so yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I, I think that that'll frame a, a lot of just our conversation. Cause I know a lot of people listening will enjoy this, this part of it because there's always a lot of hesitancy and, um, you know, are we making this for ourselves, or is it for other people or is it both? Is it, you know, how do we do it in a humble way? Uh, we've talked about marketing, all that kind of stuff. We can talk about it later, but, but yeah, let's, let's rewind a little bit. So, um, you mentioned college, uh, having this music, wanting to share it, not maybe feeling uncomfortable doing that. Um, you're, you're well beyond college. So, um, you know, you're married now, have kids and, and that was a long time ago, but, um, so what was kind of the, the moment or the season that kind of allowed you to go, Hey, I I have this, this gift, these talents, this music I want to share with people. How do, how do I, why don't I just go, go for it? Like what, what was kind of the journey into that? Yeah. Good question. Good question. Well, it probably started right before college. My dad took me to Sonic and he said, hey, what do you see yourself doing for fun? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, for a job, he was actually talking to me about my college majors. He wasn't saying, you know, how do you think you can make money? He was <laughs> saying, what do you see yourself doing? What brings you life? Because he's an incredible man. And I said, I would love to write music. And he said, hey, how about music composition? That'd be a good fit. And I thought, yeah, that'd be a good fit. And that was about all the thinking I did about college before college. So I was a composition major. um, And um, I hadn't really thought about how I would share it with other people. I just thought I'd like to study this, get better at it. Um, And then, yeah, like I said, it was a couple of years into college when I was playing that God convicted me that, you know, it's not about people admiring my music, like them looking at me, but it's about me reflecting God, leading them to God through the music, the music leading them to God. Um, and that's why God gave it to me. So um, then I met my wife, my soon to be wife. I realized, oh, shoot, I need to have a job after college. <laughs> I also like teaching. I'll get a music education degree and I'll teach in schools after college. And then if I really love writing music, if that's really what uh, I feel the Lord's called me to. I know he'll bring me back to that um, after I teach for a little bit. So that's kind of exactly what happened. I, I taught for six, six and a half years in school classrooms. And it's not for me. <laughs> I was very overstimulated by it. Uh, I like going deeper with people like one-on-one for teaching. But um, yeah, so I... I left that. I tried other things. I tried real estate. I tried stock investing. I tried using my creativity in other ways to try to make money. And it was, it was torturous for me. It was so, I was filled with anxiety the whole time. I was angry a lot of the time. And, um, it wasn't until around the pandemic that I first, I lost a bunch of money in a a stock thing (laughs) that during the coronavirus stock market stuff. Um, And that was the best thing that had ever happened to me financially, because I finally realized, oh, I've never actually been content. Uh, Even though I grew up having all that I needed with my dad modeling, like what it meant to live by faith and be content um, and not really striving for more and then pushing his family to the side. I some, for some reason, made some kind of a vow to myself that I would always have enough money. My family would always have enough money. We would always be comfortable. And without realizing it, I was always just pushing for more. And I wasn't really thankful for what I'd been given. And in in that, I pushed aside my gift in music. So I thought, oh, why would I just go and try to 
start making music, you know, that I need to do something for a job for my family. So uh, once I became content with who I am, the gifts I've been given, what we've been given, we have plenty of stuff, you know, we have plenty of financial security. Uh, we were like, you know, these comfortable Americans. Um, I realized, oh, maybe I really should start using my music gift. And God convicted me to start uh, start writing again. I had a desire again to start writing because I realized, yeah, this is really who I am. This is what I'm best at. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So last year, I started uh, about literally almost one year ago to the day I sat down with my wife. And I was, she said, Jimmy, I can tell something's bothering you. And I said, yeah, I'm still just sitting here not writing music. I really want to start writing music, but we can't, we got to figure it out with our schedule. So she was the, the heroine that said, okay, let's make it happen. Let's find people. Let's find babysitters. I'll take time. Let's talk to your family. Let's talk to anyone we can and try to get like 15 hours a weekend so that you can actually start to make progress. And then um, I found a guy in college that was in college with me, who's an incredible musician and business coach and a mentor to me now. And I signed up for his course and he was the one who said to me, Hey, if it's about the mission and not about you, if it's about what you share, then you got to be okay. Like having people know who you are and that might offend some people if you're promoting your music. Like if you're sharing your music on social media and someone gets offended, that then, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Like you should share what you have. Um, not in a crazy way, right? Not in a pushy way. But um, so, yeah, he led me through that step by step. I started doing my working on my album. He He helped me also get over my perfectionism. I was very perfectionistic. I can always, as a creative person, you always imagine one step ahead of what you're able to do. So he says a lot of the best musicians in the world probably have never shared their music because they're always just you know, realizing, oh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. It's not good enough. And then the world's deprived. The world is, you know, it's not them that suffers. It's really the whole world that could be getting to hear their goodness. So um, experiencing God through it. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm sharing now. I'm happy to be sharing now and I'm I got one album out, another one coming out this year and I'm building a website and an online course to teach other people how to share as well. So I think that's a long answer to your question. No, it's good. I, I think it gives some some context because I think uh and there's a couple of things that I just wanted to kind of pull on the threads uh that are interesting to me because uh there's something that happens uh around I I've even said further back, but high school even middle school, maybe where when you start out as kids, you're really encouraged to be curious and creative and you're actually given permission to, you know, go write stories and go make music and go play and, and explore the world. Right. And then you get older and it's, I heard you say a few times, it's like, now I got to get a job. Now I got to pay the bills. I got to be a responsible adult. And a lot of times what happens is that creative part of us gets kind of crushed or it gets you know, that's not serious anymore. That's just what immature people do. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard this story time and time again, because I've interviewed a lot of writers and creators and interesting people. And they've all kind of said that same thing where it's like almost they have to like recapture some of that creative energy. Um, and yeah. a, lot, a lot of times the people you're around aren't in encouraging it either. Cause it's like, yeah, you got to go pay your bills. You got to go teach. You got to do, you know, end up doing these things yeah. you hate, you hate doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like some of your journey was like also just rediscovering the joy of music, the, the, yeah. the creation part, you know, put aside, you know, do they know me? But like, you kind of were losing some of that. It's like, I, well, I got to go teach. I got to go do these things. And it's like, you, you said yes. a few times, like, I'm not, not making music. I'm not, you know, not doing the thing I think I was built to do or love right. to do. And, uh, and, you know, wife, uh, Courtney is, seems like a great, uh, woman. I mean, just giving you that space to say, Hey, well, let's make space to do that. Um, yeah. and what, uh, and I want to ask you the question, maybe I'm just, I'm probably saying too much, but have you found that to be true? I mean, just this, I mean, you have kids now you've taught kids, you've you know been around people like that. I always find these really interesting creative people, but I'm like, they don't do anything with it because they're, they've been told like, that's not what adults do now. <laughs> you know, that's what 12 year olds used to do, but not, not you, unless that's your profession or something. Has that been true for you? Or am I just kind of making all this up? Yeah. I don't think anyone ever said that to me directly, mm -hmm. 
but people make jokes about it. People make the truth is if you live in America and you have a desire to do something like right now, like you can do it. Like you can do whatever you want. You can be, you can make a lot of money doing something that people generally don't make money. in. if you mm-hmm. go about it the right way, you have the right strategy, you get the good mentors around you supporting you. You get the right accountability. You figure out how to use your gifts and share who you are, all of who you are vulnerably with the world. Cause at the end of the day, people want human connection, right? Mm-hmm. That's heaven on earth, true, genuine human connection. So you can share your gift in whatever you do and you'll be fine. Like you don't have to go. And if you're, uh, if you're, uh, an artist and, and you try to just be an engineer because it's has financial stability, but you hate it, then the world doesn't really need another person that is just, you know, hating what they do their entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth, it takes a lot of courage. I know there's a lot of fears that hold people back, mm-hmm. but yeah encountering taking those fears head on and addressing the truth you know the fear and the truth um knocking out those fears and going for it i'm so happy that that i did that um so yeah nobody told me directly there's starving artist jokes Mm -hmm. right sure but um but yeah i mean it's worth it i'd rather be i'd rather i'd rather go for this and fail i'd much rather go for this and fail Mm -hmm. than you know then, then not go for it. Um, well, I, I yeah. think, yeah, no, I, you're actually, I think what you're saying is, uh, I mean, there's two things I think of one is I think you're, you're about 10, 12 years younger than me. And so kind of the generational gap, I may have the old guy on the front porch, you know, but I do remember like pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-cell phone, um, where it was harder to get your message out there, harder to get things into people's lives, you know, and, um, you were a little more, raised with technology and, and those platforms, um, and seeing the possibilities, seeing like, wow, this is, uh, I mean, I, I came into it later, but it was like, yeah, I had these stories and I had these things I was writing and doing. And it's like, you could start this blog or you could, you know, and the whole world could read it if they wanted to, you know, that's, that was pretty right. amazing, amazing where in the past there were so many gatekeepers and it was like, well, you can only get anything published if you go through, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, so I hear you saying that, which I think is interesting because I think your your generation kind of sees the opportunity as like, hey, you don't have to go because your dad told you you need to be an engineer and go work a job for 50 years and hate your life. Like um, you don't, you know, there's other options available to you, even in the artistic world where in the past that wasn't the case. Uh, yeah. But also I think what you're voicing is actually something that's kind of old. Uh, um, you go read some, you know, famous artists, go read about Rembrandt, go read about, um you know, these different painters and different artists throughout the, throughout the years. And they, they basically said the same thing you did is I'd rather be poor. I'd rather, you know, not have yeah. much and do the thing that I've been feel like I've been put on the earth to do. And they, and most of them did that, right. They didn't make any money till after they were dead or after they were, but they just kept doing it. They kept finding, finding a way to do it. You know, if it meant working menial jobs or, you know, uh, really having nothing or sleeping on a couch or whatever, but like, but they realized like that was, there's more joy in doing that and doing the thing that really God has given them to do than just kind of do something else and hate, hate our lives, you know, yeah. um, which, which again, I, it was just, as you're saying that I'm like, yeah, that's actually been kind of more the norm for a lot of history, but somehow mm-hmm. we, these kind of stories creep in that says you can't do that, or that's not responsible, or that's, you know, you got to make more money or have more stuff. And um, so, yeah, I appreciate you, you sharing that, that part of your story now. Um, so, as we kind of fast forward a little bit, um, I really been enjoying your new, um, album and it was interesting when you told me you were making this, uh, we call it an album. Do we call it a record? Do we call it a CD? I don't know what the cool kids. Yeah, I called it a CD all the time. A digital people uh, were laughing at me. I, said, oh, I, guess I really, CD. I, I really enjoyed your digital file. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was cool about it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what, I mean, I knew you played piano and you, you know, other instruments and talented musician, but it doesn't have any words. It's instrumental. Um, and so me going into it, um, I listen to a lot of classical music, jazz music, all kinds of music. Uh, you kind of go, what do you, what to expect with, with, you know, just instruments. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so moving and so touching. And it was almost like I couldn't describe what I was experiencing. <laughs> it's like, 
like this, I shouldn't feel like this. Or I shouldn't experience this. You know, I'm listening to it as I'm working, I'm listening to it in quiet. I'm trying, you know, and it's like, wow, this is really moving. And yet there's no words. Um, it's almost this kind of like pure experience of music that you don't, yeah. I think with all the noise in the world, you don't get to experience that all the time. Cause I think a lot of times that the words get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, t- tell me um, j- just a little bit, kind of the origin story of this actual album that you put together and kind of, yeah. you know, the, the vision behind it and like where these songs came from and just kind of how you went about it uh, because they are really beautiful and, um, and they don't need words. I mean, you could put words to them. You have a wife who can sing her brains out, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Start, start with kind of your creative kind of origin story. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I, started playing my origin story is when i started i stopped trying to quit piano <laughs> i was nine and i started put my brother played uh goldeneye 007 on n64 and then i started playing i realized i could just figure out the notes and play it by ear and then i did that for movies like mission impossible and then i started making up my own music and i said oh okay this music's fun then in middle school i remember just like a lot of middle schoolers we f- start to feel more deeply so I would come home and just play how I was feeling. And I realized, and it comforted me to to play these sounds because what I was feeling, I didn't even have words for. And so I would just sit there and play and I could only articulate what I felt through my fingers on the piano. Uh, I couldn't explain it to even like my closest friend, whoever knew me best, my parents probably. Uh, and I realized this is a special language between me and God, that he knows exactly why I'm playing this note now and that note and this combination. And he knows my language. Only God knows my language. It was this beautiful, sacred place between me and God. And then I was more deeply hooked on music. So uh, that inspired me. In high school, I started leading worship and I played my music in a way that, like, I wanted the sound of the music to reflect what I was meditating on and, like, I was praising I wanted my music to articulate that praise without saying and other people will be singing sometimes I was singing too but I wanted the piano to get to do praises you know you can praise them with instruments right Uh, without words even so um yeah so it's that same theme in this album I took like in my first track I was celebrating the spirit of a child who hasn't been uh, really marred by the world yet and he's still a free spirit he's still creative so that was me until I was four or five I was this creative wild boy who loved uh, I was I was crazy I was crazy I was very artistic I was very imaginative I was very loud I was running around with swords throwing them people's heads outside well plastic swords i should say (laughs) (laughs) well plastic uh, swords and all all this kind of stuff and then um since i was sensitive that got shut down when people started to hurt my feelings i decided oh well i'm not gonna share my feelings anymore so i completely shut down all of my sensitivity and i decided that i wouldn't let people hurt me and i would just change myself to impress whoever I was talking to. So I learned to adapt to everyone's humor. I learned to get good. I was, I'm very competitive and stubborn. And so I learned how to get good at whatever people were doing and be the best or the best in whatever small pond I was in. And uh, so, yeah. And it wasn't until later on when I was a teenager that I started to get that back through an incredible mentor, youth pastor. Uh, He looked me in the eye and, saw straight through me basically and said, Hey, there's a little kid in the closet that you're shutting in there. Beautiful soul that needs to come back out and you need to to look at yourself in the mirror and start to accept yourself again. And so it was, it was my own shame, my own pride that kept me from being me, being that free spirit to share who I really am with the world. So that first track goes back to who I am. Uh, the album covers my son dancing through a field because it's it's that <laughs> it's just this kid 
free spirit dancing. I, I said, go run that field. And he said, okay. And he <laughs> proceeded to do it for five minutes straight. So the music is a celebration of that. And um, it's a celebration that I, I'm free again. I'm free to share all that's inside of me. And I don't care now if people reject it or accept it. I'm just happy to share who I am. I know if I were to die tomorrow, I'd be so happy that I had something to share. I truly shared what was inside of me. Hmm. So the whole album's like that. And there's album notes as well that explain these tracks. But that's that's the story behind the the no words and the expression behind the keys. Well, you know, what's so fascinating about that is you, you're sharing your story like a little bit behind the scenes. But if I didn't know that, I would still experience that. Uh, and I think I did a little bit of that. I mean, I, you didn't tell me everything, like where this song come from or what, you know, what's the story behind it, but it's just, it's instrumental and it, that comes through. It's like the, the one track just feels like awe and wonder. It feels like play. It feels like, you know, a kid running through a field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then others feel that kind of, uh, coming alive again or some kind of redemptive, you know, feel to it. But it's, I mean, that's what I think what you're tapping into is like somewhere early on, you, you understood that music can kind of do that and you don't need even words. Like, cause I think we're so good at like over explaining or at least trying to over explain everything. Well, this is what this means. And this is what, right. Cause you listen to musicians. It's so funny. They'll write a song and they'll go, Oh, is this what you meant by that lyric? And they're like, I had nothing to do with that. Or yeah. <laughs> that was just a throwaway line. I mean, or they think it's always personal or it's always this or that. But a lot of times that's, you know, we, we kind of have to enter in and experience it and kind of go, Oh, I think it's this or it's that. But what you're doing is actually, no, this is about my whole life and my whole journey. And I'm putting it in into the, the keys into the notes. Um, and it really comes out. I mean, it feels very alive and, um, honest and, and it's, and again, there's no words to it, but you feel it in the, the notes that were chosen and the, the arrangement and all of that, which it which just blew me away. Cause you know, the many times I've heard it now, it's like, wow, I didn't think you could do that with music, but um, this cool. is also, you know, interesting uh, little side tangent and people listening might not care about this part, but um, I was work, we were working through uh, a book of the Bible, Samuel and it's David. And, and, you know, people know the Bible at all. It's like, you know, David's this, probably this musical genius, you know, that as far as we know, I mean, he wrote all these songs, the Psalms and the Bible are a lot of his songs and prayers. And he was assigned as kind of the, the leader of the musicians, you know, in the temple. And um, it was a big task and he was really good. And there's this moment where it's him and Saul um, in first uh, Samuel 16, I believe at the end and Saul and David don't get along. Saul's going to be the next King. And, you know, Saul's getting booted and, and David starts playing for him. And, and I was reading some commentary on that and some would argue that it's almost the first picture of music therapy where something in David's playing calmed him down and, and something changed in Saul. And you know how many times I've read that passage and never thought that, you know, music therapy, but I have some friends who do music therapy and it's like this inaudible thing that music has this, this connection it has to something greater than us you know because you know like when notes aren't played correctly it's something's wrong right but there's this order to it there's this uh, you know mm-hmm. that you can't uh you know when something's out of tune you know it's out of tune but but the way music we always come back to music uh to for our own souls and for our own health and our own lives like i mean to not have music in your life is like a weird i mean people that don't you're kind of like what is going on like i mean any kind of music i mean it doesn't have to be good music just anything right it's i mean kids they learn how to the alphabet by singing it's it's just we're musical whether we're actual musicians or not but there's just something about music and i always was kind of moved by that because as i he- just hear you talking that's kind of what more of my heart my mind went to was like yeah man when david played the salt like he changed he changed him like just from his music you know nothing yeah. he said it wasn't a sermon it wasn't a lecture it wasn't you know it yeah. was beautiful music um uh, yeah. And, and I think that's what you you're tapping into um, in learning more and more along the way. It, was, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that music can, like you said, it's a, it's a link, right? It's a bridge from somebody's head uh, to their soul. Some people call it the language of the heart. You know, it sounds yeah. very, sounds very, when you think of music as the language of the heart, it sounds almost like a Hallmark card. Like, yeah, yeah. But what is it actually? And you know, what's a better definition? 
Uh, I've thought about better definitions. You could say organized sound, but to me, it's not really about organized sound. It's about truly speaking from the heart, expressing heart to heart as a human. One of my favorite musicians, Jacob Collier, said, somebody asked him about artificial intelligence, and he said, I'm not worried about AI making music, even if it's cool music, because music's not about, you know, like, it's about a human expressing who they are. It's about human connection. That's the, that's why music is such a beautiful, powerful thing people can express. So if a robot makes a cool sound, great, but that's not really the value of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that my music, even though I have what, you know, what I was thinking as I was playing, it can touch you in a special way that I'm completely unaware of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, you can have awakenings in different ways as you're experiencing this music um, mm-hmm. without knowing anything what i was thinking right just because the way it opens it opens your soul up right i like that i mean i like thinking anyone from any background regardless of who you are can listen to instrumental music that speaks that gentleness and that beauty and might inspire them to 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 remember who they truly are uh and then they can they can listen to it and come alive Mm-hmm. So I love that. That makes me really excited. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it is interesting. Like, I mean, every human, every tribe and culture has music, part of their story, part of their life. Like there's not one culture that's like, you know, musicless, if you will. Um, and we bond over it too. Like we talk about our favorite music. We, you know, certain things hit us in certain ways, but, but like you said, it's like, it, it, it may hit you this way. It may hit you that way. I'm, I'm amazed how music can take you to a time and a place. Uh, when I hear amazing grace, it doesn't matter who's singing it, but what it reminds me of is my, you know, long before I was ever a Christian was my grandma singing that song. And as beautiful as the song is and the words are, I mean, it it has a lot of meaning for me, but, uh, but I, that's what I think of. I go, Oh, like that grace thing that was there long before I even knew what, what that was or who was writing that or why they're writing it. There's just something that, you know, it doesn't matter who's singing it or what arrangement, but it's like, yeah, it takes you back to a time and a place or a season or, um, yeah. you know, a longing or a desire or a pain, painful point or whatever. Um, they're like, it's like the soundtrack of our lives. I mean, when a song comes on the radio, I think sometimes it's not like, Oh, that's an old song. I used to listen. It's like, you remember high school, you remember middle school, you remember where you were when grandma died, or you remember, you know, like music is yeah. always kind of like right behind, um, or, or a song that really helped get you through a tough time. Um, right. You know, that you maybe listen to death, <laughs> you know, because it just yeah. moved, moved you in a certain way. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's music just has this endless eternal quality to it that just can't be plumbed. I mean, it's just and there and there's you know the it's funny when I listen to like interviews of like rock stars or just musicians of different stripes. I shouldn't say rock stars, but you know they play maybe rock music. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, there's only like four chords they play, but they all sound different, you know, and the way they arrange mm-hmm. it. And it's like it's not like the music itself is complex, but it's the way we put it together and the harmonies and the voice and the instruments and the beats and the you know right. that, that's what's behind it. You yeah, know? that's what's so cool. It's like everyone's yeah. original, you know, which right. I love. Yeah, right. Everyone's original. You doesn't matter. Maybe you love some genre that I don't love or some genre that. It's really simple and repetitive, but it's about the people. No people right. are the same. And everybody's sharing their story. They're they're expressing something yeah. from their own unique, you know, viewpoint. So it doesn't matter. It's all about yeah. the heart. I don't sure. that's what I look for. I love and I think that's what you know, power in every genre. The people that rise to the top are aren't the technically most talented people a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Just the people that are good at articulating yeah. their, you know, their heart in something. So yeah, you know that's interesting. I I was listening to Rick Rubin. He's a produ- music producer. Maybe you heard of him, but he um he did like Beastie Boys and all these Tom Petty and fame, all these Johnny Cash when he kind of made a resurgence in those American albums. Um, <clears throat> and he talked about the rawness of like he always want he thinks music should have more mistakes than it does because he says one of the challenges right. as a producer is everything tries to be perfect. You talked earlier about your perfectionism and yeah. he's like, I, he's like, I actually think it's done when there's more mistakes in it because he's, he's like, I think it's more honest. I think it's more raw. I think it's more, um, not like we can polish it down so much that we kind of lose its heart. We lose its voice. We lose its right. 
honesty. Cause you know, sometimes like music just, or whatever you're making, just comes out of you and you're like, Oh, I need to put that down. And then we, we always want to go back and go, well, I got to fix this. Sorry. I got to change this. That's right. terrible. You know, rather than right. going, maybe this initial creative spark is what it needs to be. Um, and I found yeah. that interesting is just like the best, the music he loved the most and the bands he worked with that he loved the most were actually the most, most raw. And there was mm-hmm. like, you could hear little mistakes in the, in the album and, you know, but most people probably wouldn't notice, but, um, but he said that just felt like it was more honest and more real and, uh, and really comes from the musician's heart, not his head or, or her head. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. there was a lady who, um, was in this music business group with me and she was talking about recording and she had been doing it for 30 or 40 years. And she said, don't try to get the best take, just get the take that feels right. Mm. Get the one that you know is true to what you're really after. The one that, the one that feels right. So mm-hmm. as I recorded my album, there were some parts that I had to do over and over because it just didn't feel right. And then boom, when it set in, it was like this, mm-hmm. it was this euphoric experience. You could ask my wife, she would see me like running around the room celebrating. Right. Um, because like, I was able to capture the truth that was in my heart about, you know, that section of music. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. So, um, what was kind of that experience like, um, when you were kind of like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to make this thing. It's time to share, share my music. Um, I hadn't done it this way before. Um, what was like when you were first like putting fingers to keys and arranging and all that, like, what did that feel like? What did that, what were the challenges in that? What were the joys in that? Like, how, was it pretty smooth? Was it pain and suffering the whole time? Like walk, <laughs> talk, talk us through that. Like, just, was there a fear, anxiety, like go for it. Yeah. I think it was scary. I think it was scary. It felt extremely vulnerable because mm. like I said, music to me is expressing the very depths of who I am, even if other people don't see exactly why i'm writing what i'm writing but so i'm taking this sacred place that not many people know of only my family and close friends and showing it to the entire world to ridicule or to praise or even if they are praising it they're maybe just completely misinterpreting it so yeah it was scary i was excited but scared at the same time Mm -hmm. um and so when I when I had recording sessions where it was about me trying to get something right so that people would like me more, it was always a terrible recording session. But when it came from a place of love and truly wanting to offer something that would help people, then boom, it was magical. I was able to make it. <laughs> and it almost all went like that, which was kind of interesting. So yeah, it was mostly a mostly a courage thing for me. Yeah. Like coming out of my shell. Yeah. Isn't it interesting what I hear you saying is, is the fear comes from when it's about me. Like mm-hmm. there's extra fear, it's extra scariness. That was just but when it, it becomes mm-hmm. Yeah, when it becomes about service yeah. or sharing or this is my gift and take it or leave it, not about me anymore. There's like a freedom there. There's a yeah. a release. There's a um yeah. You know, people I've interviewed over the years and writers and dancers and painters and entrepreneurs or whoever, when it's all about you, it almost like freezes you where you can't do what you think you should be doing or what you're called to do. Right. Um, but when it becomes about service, then it's like this dam just opens up and you're free to just make it and let it breathe and let it be, you know, um, yeah. that's interesting. Cause I think that's, that's probably what holds us back initially is cause it, it's really just about us and our own insecurities and mm-hmm. people going to laugh at us. And, you know, um, but when you can find that freedom to just make it, to bless others and help others serve others, it, something shifts. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I had tears of joy. It was like tears of joy when yeah. it was about other people and freedom to just try crazy stuff. It sometimes yeah. worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just enjoying good. the whole process. I was like, Oh, just, uh, you know, Matt, I was imagining mm-hmm. Matt listening to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, he's going to love this. Oh man, this is going to hit home. Yeah. Yeah. I just got really excited to share it with him, you know, get to share it with my friends. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's when the excitement was there. And when it wasn't like that, it was, I was just paralyzed. I was trying to yeah. just play safe. And all I was thinking about was not messing up. And uh, yeah, it was just not a fun process. Even if I had done a good job in that mindset, yep, it would have been pretty torturous. 
from start to finish. So. Well, I, I hear you describing, uh, I was just telling you about Rick Rubin. I was reading his, I'm reading his book and he, he says, uh, we need to recapture our childlike perception, uh, this kind of innocent childlike perception. It's like back to when you're a kid, you know, that, that playfulness, that wonder, like when you get to that place, then it's just game on, right? It's, mm-hmm. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to share with my friends. It just becomes this, this playful, joyful thing, not this like thing I have to do or this thing I, get paid to do or this thing I'm, you know, I hope people like it's, or it's work or it's, you know, and then there is work obviously, and there's discipline and all that. Um, but I love that, that childlike, how do we get recapture some of that childlike perception or perceptiveness, yeah. you know, um, something I'm battling with right now. Cause I have yeah. to, I'm, I'm starting to share a lot more on social media <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just don't worry about how it's perceived. Right. Just got to share who I am. And if people like what they see, they can learn to improvise with me. They can take a course or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's well, let's, so let's talk about that. Um, I, actually, it was one of my my thoughts for you. Uh, you've talked to me about it before. Is this the idea of improvising? And, uh, you know, you've played some music at our church and um, you love to improvise. And I, I think, uh, you know, what, I think that, I mean, if, you're, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, your course is going to be somewhat based around how to, teach people how to improvise. Yeah. Um, uh, what, where does that come from? What, what's the, why that angle or why, um, you know, you're good at it. You've, you know, is it something you can teach yourself or is it, is it, is there like a deep philosophical, uh, thing behind improv improvisation? Cause I don't think it's, um, celebrated maybe as much as, you know, even music today, there's like, you go to a concert, it's like, well, they don't improvise at all. It's just kind of, here's the thing. Here's the formula. Um, yeah. yeah. Talk through that. How'd, how'd you come to that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to sound fantastic. Bach improvised. <laughs> improvised. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, these great composers, they were always improvising and people wrote down what they were playing later on, but they were just right. being a boss. Well, they were kind of a different level, you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, for me, I, I want to take all the time and resources to, develop an, a great course to teach people how to improvise because I found transformation in my own life through improvisation. When I could improvise and express whatever was inside of me, it, it helped me with my loneliness. It helped me uh, communicate everything that I was feeling. It helped me with uh, worshiping. It helped me connect with people in an extremely deep way. Um, it completely transformed and changed my life and made music an enjoyable experience. I tried to quit until I could improvise. Like, it's just, a, it's just a bunch of math equations. If you're not, if you can't really like express what's inside of you, right. You you can artistically and passionately interpret what somebody else came up with. And some people, you know, that's their thing. They're really good at that. But um, there are a lot of us that are extremely creative that don't like piano lessons um, because piano lessons kind of cater to the math and science side for the first few years, especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not really teaching art, the art side of the brain, the imaginative side, um, the creativity side. So what I want to do is find people like me. I know there's a bunch of people like me that don't like the system. Don't like, they like to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to give them a bunch of practical steps. I'm breaking everything down from the very beginning of when I started improvising, giving them, I'll give them hundreds of different little exercises that'll hopefully be little sparks for them and they can go off on their own journey after that. But for me, yeah, to teach, to empower people to express everything inside of them is a pretty great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that I believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just, uh, I could teach them technique. There's a lot of great people that can teach technique, but like I always looked for someone to teach me how to improvise better. And I even had I had incredible professors in college, but they none of them helped me learn how to improvise. They just said, oh, yeah, just keep going for it, I guess. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Hmm. So I, I, it just seems like a pretty thin. I know there's people out there, but there's not many people that really want to empower people to speak their own language through music, you know, express their own voice through music. So. Yeah, I hope to do that. And I'm excited to keep learning how to teach improvisation because it's such a mysterious subject. I'm going to start with helping people address fears. Like what's keeping you from just sitting down and trying to play? 
trying to figure it out. Um, because a lot of times people can't even learn to improvise because they're too afraid of making mistakes. But like I had a mom and a dad that both celebrated me, which is so incredibly special and rare. They would just listen to me and I'd see my dad at the corner of my eye smiling, reading, or just sometimes just sitting in the room while I was just messing around, playing whatever. And I knew that I was being celebrated while I explored and made mistakes or whatever. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I've been given that I'm really excited to give to others who haven't been given what I've been given, you know, Hmm. Um, and maybe address some of those fears, whether it's perfectionism or maybe just feeling overwhelmed and not knowing how to do it practically. So we'll start there a little bit more philosophical and then we'll get more into the nuts and bolts. And it's going to be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. throughout the process. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to make sure of that. Hopefully it'll be light and fun. Well, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, middle school coming home and, you know, playing music that based on how you felt or what you're going through, because like, you can't, you know, you use a formula, you can't just play your favorite song. It's like, you kind of were figuring out like, I, this is what I, this is the kind of music I need to play right now and not some playbook. Right. Um, yeah. and that, that's important. I mean, I think it allows space for like, this is what's in me. This is where I'm going. This is, you know, let's see where this takes me. Uh, it's funny. My, um, uh, my wife actually is a great piano player and played her whole life since like third grade. She was classically trained and did the whole lessons thing and did competitions and all that. And she got invited to play in this band and she didn't know how to improvise. And it was actually kind of hurting her in the sense that she just, she only knew how to play in this particular way and the chords and, you know, not even chords, but like, you know, the notes and this is this box. And as someone was helping her kind of learn how to improvise, it changed her life. I mean, it changed how she plays. It changed the the joy of music it was no longer this like perfectionist like it's got to be this and that but it was like room to let it breathe room to go different places she's like i didn't know you could do this i didn't know this was even possible Um, yeah but it's funny like when i hear you talk and i think of my wife's story too it's that's kind of how life is though right like we all think we have this formula and this plan and this this is where it's going to go and this is how it's going to work and yet Mm -hmm. life is improvising learning how to improvise well you know learning how to that didn't work out. Let's go over here. Or, or that we fell on our face here. We failed here or suffering here. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to learn how to adapt. Um, and nobody teaches you that. No one tells you that we just kind of, uh, uh, you know, we have kids, you get married. It's like, yeah, it's all about improvising, especially with kids. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's don't get too comfortable with your own schedule or your own thing. Cause it's going to be broken tomorrow. And then, or maybe in five minutes from now. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and in your job, right now. wake up right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think in your job and in your work, like, so much goes goes wrong or and people don't know how to be flexible they don't know how to improvise they don't know how to go well okay well let's go over here let's try this you know um uh, yeah. I, I love that i just think it's a metaphor for life as much as maybe we don't need to get so deep and philosophical about it but, but no, really, that is, I'm, I'm thinking philosophically now too like yeah i i need to figure out how to improvise teaching people how to improvise <laughs> <laughs> right, right there you go oh man i'm looking like i i'm being so perfectionistic and not giving <laughs> myself grace about teaching people how to Right. give themselves grace yeah so it's yeah, yeah. a challenge it's definitely every season of life there's there's more and more layers of right. figuring out oh okay I love that. yeah you gotta be flexible <laughs> yourself too yeah, yeah i gotta figure out how to improvise my way through this yeah, yeah. Good point well jimmy this has been fantastic and uh we have gone a lot of different places uh really excited for your course coming out and before we go i just want to give people an opportunity just to say, Hey, where can we find you? Um, you mentioned a little bit what you're working on next, but you can share a little bit about that, this course coming out, but yeah, what's like the best place to find you when that course comes out? I'm going to put that all in the show notes so people can get your new album, all that good stuff. Uh, nice. yeah. Give us your pitch. <clears throat> all right. So my address, my home, at- I'm just <laughs> um, I suppose right now I'm sharing little short videos every single day on my Instagram page, which is crazy because <laughs> I'd never done Instagram before, but now I'm doing it every day. Uh, so my Instagram handle is, this is Jimmy Black. This is Jimmy Black. Nice. Um, and on my Instagram page, there's one of those fancy little link tree websites where you can sign up to learn about my online course. You can buy my album. You can do all those things. Perfect. So yeah, I'd probably say that Instagram page is where things are happening right now. Everything else is taking second row. Yeah. So, right. 
Well, perfect. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for yeah. having me talk about this. This is for sure. This is well, very eye opening for me as well as we were talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy, this is. Uh, I mean, you're the 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 perfect guest for the show because it's the art of paying attention and what you talked about today is is really about a guy who does pay attention to things in deeper ways that it's not just about the music or what's on the chord sheet but it's what's below it and where it comes from and and those are those are about it's learning how to pay attention and obviously you have a deep soul and a deep life that that thinks about music in very i think unique and fresh ways and so I appreciate you sharing all that with us cuz I think it's going to help a lot of people to think about the way they make things and do their art and live their lives so I appreciate you coming on the show man yeah. Hey, it's an honor to know you. Honor to be here. I'm excited awesome. for Sunday. All right. Well, thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Well, there you have it, my friends. Jimmy James Black the Third. Go get his album. Uh, I'll put his information in the show notes. You can find him at This Is Jimmy Black. Um, on Instagram and he has a, a link tree there with all his links and you can go find his album and all his stuff and all the things he's got cooking up. Uh, he mentioned a course. If you're interested in learning how to improvise, learning how to make beautiful music, uh, Jimmy is working on that. So stay apprised on that. Stay updated on that. Uh, he will be a good teacher. He will be a good coach. He'll be a good guide. So Jimmy Black, thank you for coming on the show. And I loved just the depth of our conversation. Uh, the way Jimmy thinks about art and thinks about creativity, that there's there's more going on. It's not just about how do I get an album out? How do I get my book out? How do I get paint onto canvas? But it's, it's what we sense deep in our bones, what we're called to, what we're to be about. M- making, the, making art, making things is, is a divine impulse, uh, regardless of how well it's received, regardless of if people are excited about it or supportive of it. But, but learning how to do that regardless of the feedback doing it because you know it's what you're supposed to be doing Uh, and so I really loved Jimmy's perspective on art and creativity and how he's dealing with fear and uh, and all those things because I think we all deal with that we all deal with self-doubt we all deal with fear we all deal with that part of us that doesn't want to share work because you feel like we're being annoying or bothering people but if you have something that you've made and you're you're proud of share it tell others about it put it out in the world that's what we're so hopefully this conversation will help you and encourage you. Um, again, just want to remind you, ryanjpelton.substack.com. Get on the Substack app. It's really cool. Uh, where the podcast is, where the newsletter is, where the, I guess you call it a blog. I don't know. There's also a really cool chat feature on the app. And so um, I put things in the chat and ask questions and people in the community can respond. Uh, so, hey, whatever you're working on, whatever you got going on, uh, jump in the chat. I'd love to hear who you are, what you're doing. Uh, while you're doing it and, uh, and, and yeah, get some feedback from the community. So, um, also if you would be so kind to leave a rating or review, wherever you listen to your podcast, that would help us a lot. And also share with your friends, word of mouth still is a thing. So, well, Hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton from the art of paying attention. So glad to be with you today. And before I go, I do have one important thing to say, go make some great art with your life. And I will talk to you real, real.